Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to After Law. Broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no sandwich. Hello, 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 dear listeners. Let me take you in a time machine, rewind the clock back to the randomly chosen year of 1980, back to the 23rd of February 1980, 42 years ago, dear listeners. It's incredible. It seems like just yesterday, I'm sure it does to anyone born in my era, 1960s, um, but incredibly, 42 years ago, on the 23rd of February, Millwall played Oxford, a fixture that we won 3-0, 1979-80 uh, season, of course, under the management of George Petchy. Um, I must have been at this game, I can't remember it if I'm going to be absolutely up front, but thankfully, um, as a you know, courtesy of the, of the modern internet, you can look up these fixtures. I have a vague memory of one or two other games that season, it was a tough season to be a Millwall fan we would finish eventually 14th in the third division that season having actually been top of the table at one point it was the probably the high point of George Petchy's reign as as Millwall manager he came in in the very late 70s in the aftermath of Gordon Jago who left um, many would say largely as a consequence of the awful impact of the Panorama program I know you can still see Panorama on YouTube and it looks um, so of its time let's just say that dear listeners um, but it did leave an indelible scar on the club really the modern day reputation of Millwall as a kind of a almost a pariah to use a, a current phrase of the game was established there and then and it's never truly um, been shaken off despite incidents um, at many other clubs and um you know, magnitude uh, way um, beyond anything that had ever happened at the den, uh, we became known as as the uh, the trouble club, and um, that remains so to this day, for better or for worse. But anyway, um, back to seventy nine eighty. This game, Mill three, Oxford United nil, played as I said on the twenty third of February nineteen eighty, in front of just four thousand seven hundred thirteen fans, dear listeners. Um, it was a tough season, and um, we've been relegated the season before, 77-78 we got relegated, so this would be um, our second season in the third division, if memory serves, and um, 
initially signs were good. We we were you know playing um, at the top of the table, but it, it all fell away into the um, the classic Millwall maelstrom of ordinariness, and we would actually finish very disappointingly 14th by the end of the season, having topped the table in November. Um, this would <laughs> this would be a, a repeat theme on um, for on a, on a couple of other seasons after after this. Um, Mill team for this particular fixture, um, which I do remember well. John Jackson in goal, veteran goalkeeper. I'm going to come back to John Jackson. Um, back line of Paul Roberts, Tony Tagg uh, in the centre-half position. Mel Blythe, who I couldn't bear at the time. Probably irrationally so, I think. You look for scapegoats for your um, you know, for your team's failings. And um, Mel Blythe was my scapegoat of choice. John Sitton, who's achieved um, fame of, of sorts in the... Um, you know, on the TV and, and now on, on social media. Um, across the middle, Tony Kinsella, one of our youth team products. John Seisman, who was a player that I loved. Um, very, very good striker for the Lions. Uh, was replaced by Phil Coleman in the 63rd minute of this particular game, but Seisman started. Nicky Chatterton, um, a player I, I kind of warmed to over time. I think he came from Crystal Palace, Chatterton, didn't he? And I suppose I always held that as a bit of a, a, a grudge, a spike grudge. But um, I did warm up to him. He's a very good servant for the club. And um, we will come back to um, some of these names later. Tony Towner, who was a great, great winger. We've got Tony, Tony Towner on the wing. On the wing was the song that the halfway line loved to sing as, as he ripped down the, the, the wings. Um, good player for us. Um, good servant. Scored twice in this particular fixture. Uh, then up front, a player that I've forgotten. Bobby Shinton, who I've going to revisit uh, and John Lyons who we have covered in previous shows and I did a conversation with one of his South End colleagues uh, red card Roy McDonough which um, is well worth seeking out in amongst the uh, the annals of Vachdong of, of Millwall um, John Lyons' life would tragically end when he would take his own life at, at South End but this was a good season for John Lyons he was a good player good good striker of a free kick as, as I remember it um, so 3-0 to the Lions over Oxford United. As I said, 7, 4,713 at Colblow Lane. Two goals for Tony Towner in the 6th minute and the 61st. And then one for John Sitton on the 70th minute. I've got a, a newspaper report here from the People, Sunday People. So that's dated the 24th of Feb, 1980. Shinton poses problems, says Pat. Collins of the of the Sunday People or the People it's just listed as um, Mill Free Oxford Neil Mill uh, face a dual problem can they afford the fee that Manchester City would want for on loan Bobby Shinton and will Shinton want to step down to the third division is the question Mill will have no doubts as to his worth to them he was the darling of the fans as he made the three goals which crushed Oxford yesterday Shinton lost ten pound they had a ten pound bet. <laughs> with uh, delighted manager George Petchy because he failed to score, but others did. But it's the fans who will feel robbed if he does not stay. Two weeks of his loan period remain. Shinton made the short pass which set off to, uh, Tony Towner for an early goal, and then he left Towner the simple job of running the ball home for the second. When Shinton was hacked down, John Sitton headed his first league goal from the free kick. So ends the, uh, the short report. Um, Division 3 football back then only warranted three paragraphs in the Sunday papers. That was one of the, um, you know, the, the hard lessons that you learned when you got relegated, that your coverage in the Sunday papers particularly, which was the main football coverage of the week, of course. Um, but it went, went down a pan, rather. So that was the three 
paras devoted to to this win for the Lions. So I've chosen to look at uh, Bobby Shinton, Robert Thomas Shinton, who um, was on loan to us briefly. He actually he actually signed for, uh, signed for us in 1981. Um, I mean, 42 years ago, you forget some of these details. 79 to 80 was on loan, then 81 to 83. Played 42 games for us, seven goals. Um, darling of this particular fixture. Um, we had quite a career. Lye Town, Walsall, Cambridge, Wrexham, Manchester City, which was the uh, the loan. Then us on loan, Newcastle, and then signed for Millwall February 1982, um, Worcester City, and then Weymouth and Malvern Town and Stourbridge. Um, the, the biography says Bobby was a member of the Wrexham side that in 1978 won a Division Three title, along with John Lyons, actually. Uh, and that, that side reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and League Cup. They won a Welsh Cup and was named the PFA Team of the Season. He joined Mill on loan but was priced out of a permanent move. Nearly two years later he did return, but the goals dried up. I've forgotten he'd returned, listeners, a long, long time ago. Um, and he didn't feature in a George Graham in manager George Graham's plans at the time. Bobby set up a double glazing firm in Worcester after the game before moving to Cambridgeshire where he worked as, as a building merchant, A.R. Aspinall and Sons. So um, there's a little um, insight into the hard realities of football. Back in those times, he was a briefly a, a prospect when he was in his Wrexham and Manchester City days, and then, in the end, finished up working in the builders' merchants. Um, yeah, he's a name that I know, but I can't remember him, can't picture him, so I can't give you an awful lot of, um, you know, colour beyond that point. The early eighties for me were a difficult time. I kind of drifted away from the club slightly. The um, stuff going on in. Private. I've never, no, I didn't ever not call myself a Millwall fan, but I probably didn't go as much as I did in the seventies, and then from about the mid eighties onwards. So this this was a bit of a, a dry zone for me. So I, memories of, of players at that point are slightly hazy. Um, maybe only a couple of games a season I went to at that point. So there we are, Bobby Shinton. Um, another name I had picked out, which was, um, as I said, was a, a player that I didn't take to initially, but I did warm up to him in the end, was Nicky Chatterton with his um, Crystal Palace connections. Um, he joined Millwall in 1978, played a, a fair chunk of his career at Crystal Palace, but um, played over 312 games for us, 67 goals. He was quite a servant, in all honesty, Nicky Chatterton for the Lions. So I always feel a bit guilty that I held that Crystal Palace grudge against him but he joined us for a hundred thousand pounds in 1978 um and as the who's who biography by neil fissler rightly puts it nicky's transfer to the den must be one of the smartest moves by Millwall when they lured him from crystal palace and will be seen as one of uh, manager george patch's best signings along with tony town and late john lyons he helped the lions to promotion um to division two in 1985 after missing out on the football league trophy win in 83 um, after injury ended his career, he worked in Colchester's commercial department and then later a duty officer at a leisure centre before becoming a window fitter and builder in Eastbourne. Um, industrious midfielder, Nicky Chatterton, and um, such is football, listeners. You, you tend to have um, irrational, um, personalised likes and dislikes without actually knowing the person concerned. So I feel I have a slight, slight sense of guilt over my um, admission of a spike call against... I think it was a Crystal Palace thing. I've always had a bit of a issue with Crystal Palace. I think that's that's what it comes down to. But one player I didn't have a, an issue with was John Jackson, our veteran goalkeeper, who was, who was a Crystal Palace man through and through. 
Um, Stonewall Jackson um, was, I think that was a Crystal Palace name that they gave him. Uh, he did also come from Orient prior to um, playing 89 games for the Lions at the very end of his career, in all honesty. He was born in 1942, so he would have been, what, nearly 40? Uh, 39 when he when he stopped playing for us. Uh, Palace Orient, California Surf. That's a great, I'd love to have played for the California Surf. Uh, then Millwall, Ipswich in uh, 1979. He'd gone, uh, must have done like a brief period at Ipswich. I don't remember that. Before seeing out his days at Hereford and, and then coaching at, at Brighton. The biography says in his two years at the club, John made some excellent displays between the sticks, making vital saves. He was a good goalkeeper. Um, uh, as I say, he, he was distinctively older, it seemed to me, at that age. Um, well, he was double my age at that point, wasn't he? And he seemed to be distinctly older than many other members of the, of the side. Um, didn't know he'd been an England B international. He'd also played twice in the Football League, helping Crystal Palace to win promotion. Um, oh, for the Football League. Um, he'd helped Crystal Palace to win promotion to Division 1 in 1969 and was an Anglo-Scottish Cup finalist. There's a long-forgotten competition. The Anglo-Scottish Cup and an FA Cup semi-finalist with the Orient. Uh, they were late 70s. They made the, the semi-finals. Um, since retirement, he settled in Brighton. He has installed and fitted blinds. Windows seem to be a regular feature of footballers' post-career lives, don't they? Um, he's been a goalkeeping coach, worked for a golf magazine, sold golf equipment and worked as a courier for Lewis Council. Um, 89 games for Millwall between 79 and 81. Um, quite craggy, distinctive looks, John Jackson. I'm just looking at the Sunday people just to um, try and set the game in some form of context. And there we are in the third division. Um, that win over Oxford, leaving Millwall, what's that, two, four, six, seven, eighth, eighth in the table, Grimsby topping the table with Colchester and Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United just behind them, the two Sheffield clubs in third division football at this point. Um, top of the football league are Liverpool, um, who beat, Ipswich, uh, no, Drew of Ipswich, one each for David Fairclough. Do you remember him, the ginger-headed super sub? And uh, Eric Gates scoring for Ipswich in the second half, uh, Liverpool leading at half-time, uh, but stay top of the table. Two points clear of Manchester United. This would still be in the two points for a win um, era, uh, rather than three points. That must have gone up, I think, in the 80s at some point, during the early 80s. Um, to bottom of the, of the first division of Bolton, Bolton, who lost 2-0 at Arsenal. Willie Young and Frank Stapleton scoring the goals at Highbury for the Arsenal, beating Bolton. Um, there's always something quite fascinating about old football league tables. You always look for Millwall, don't you? But um, it's just fascinating to see um, you know, where other clubs are. West Ham there sitting in the second division. Uh, Chelsea in the second division. This third in the table behind Leicester and Luton. In the second division, this is pre-Dirty um, Russian Money era Chelsea, of course. West Ham and QPR there in eighth and ninth position in the second tier. Um, fascinating, I find it fascinating. But just to expand it out a little bit, if if you like, um, what was number one that week in the 23rd of February 1980? It was a, a track called Coward of the County, dear listeners, um, which I'd long forgotten. Until I happened to think, well, what would um, what would be number one? I do remember this song. It was quite a maudlin tale of uh, Midwestern um, revenge. Um, it kind of mulled on the idea of whether it is indeed right to turn the other cheek. As a coward of the county was a boy who had been told that you shouldn't get involved in trouble and should turn the other cheek, as uh, 
as we are taught by the um, strict teachings of, of the religious, um, you know, aspect of uh, Midwestern life. And then, of course, um, he has to go and put right a, an incident with his wife at the local bar, and if discovers that a man's got to fight sometimes. So, so this is quite an interesting, if somewhat um, maudlin tale of uh, you know of a philosophical nature by Kenny Rogers, who was always a bit of a mainstay. Did he do? Um, the Cow to the County, what was his other one he did? Uh, don't, oh, Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town, which is another um, maudlin song about a Vietnam veteran who had been um, maimed and his wife had to go to town to seek male company. Um, number two, And the Beat Goes On, is a classic song by The Whispers. It was a disco mainstay of that era. I love that song. Atomic by Blondie, fantastic classic. And then Too Much Too Young by The Specials at number four. And if you really want the 80s in a nutshell, or the 70s, going into the 80s, you've got some classics there. I'd even put Coward of County in the classic zone with new listeners. And the beat goes on, the Tomic, too much too young. And then Captain Beaky and Wilfred the Weasel by Captain Beaky, just to let you know exactly where it's where it's at in the 1980s. On the telly, what's on the telly? It's a Sunday. So there's not an awful lot on the telly. It's just three channels. You forget. You, know, you take the uh, the multi-channel era for so much for granted now. Um, BBC One, there's Olympic Bob Slaying on at four o'clock. Uh, songs of Praise. I used to hate Songs of Praise. Uh, David Copperfield. I, I mean, it was The Illusionist, not the, the Charles Dickens um, series. On ITV, Family Fortunes with Bob Monkhouse and Spoils of War. I don't know what that is. Looks like a play of some sort. Um, BBC Two was barely on. It started at five fifteen with some rugby union, and then um, shut down about eleven o'clockish with uh, a film, a play called The Lost Boys. And there we are. That was what was on the telly. Well, front page of the Sunday People, February twenty fourth. Splash, splash. Doctor Jeremy is now Doctor Geraldine. This is a story of a sex change doctor. Family doctor Jeremy Bean has astounded his patients, it says, by dressing as a woman. A bit of cross-dressing, a um, bit of, uh, bit of trans, what we'd now call trans issues, I think. This was given the full splash exclusive that this ex-racing ex driver GP astounds his patients by uh, his desire to, to change sex. And Prince Charles is ambushed at a fox hunt. Uh, on the inside page, just to give you the flavour of the different political and social and economic era of uh, the 1980s which is, is this is weird because as I, as I said at the start of the show it's a long while ago but somehow seems very familiar and just like yesterday um, union boss lashes pits chief a savage attack was made last night on philip weeks chief of the national coal board in south wales massive anti-strike vote of 22,000 to 4,000 by the region's pit workers younger listeners probably don't absorb how much power and how much the nation depending on its coal mining industry south wales yorkshire uh, nottinghamshire kent even all had a, a massive coal industry which all would be um decimated and done away with largely i think only one or two novelty style coal pits still exist in the country to this day um, culminating in the huge um, epoch-making minor strike of 1984, if memory serves, um, and the power of the National Union mine workers at that point, and the uh, nationalised coal industry which um, powered the country. Um, there we are, just one little story, um, which in its way 
illuminates the changed nature of our society for better or for worse because there was a worse to it because that was a, a carbon-based energy source probably the biggest carbon-based energy source which is now deemed to be um you know something that's, that's not seen as good and oh, just one point there's a, a deadly in kabul so the russian military we're talking about russia at the moment aren't we uh, 42 years later we're talking about russian military muscle in at this point in afghanistan where they've uh, invaded to take on the um, local islamic rebels in uh, in afghanistan and uh, it's never worked out well for anyone going into afghanistan is about all i'm going to say about the matter and then just on a side note just as lever underneath both of those stories for provident personal credit now the provi this was um like a, a working class credit system it, it, it very much um you know catered to um a kind of uh what's how going to put it, a working class lower income um market purse personal credit so it would extend loans and as it says or claims to present here provident personal credit is all the help you'll need to keep you uh, with the housekeeping to keep you um uh, give you vouchers which you can spend on your local shops and then you pay them back so um not a charity far from it it was uh, very much um i think my mum might have resorted to the provi at one point but i don't think she, she was never one really for credit so um always very wary of the credit so there we are that's the that was what was on the telly that's what was in the charts that's what's happening in some of the news in 1980 february the 24th um millwall would finish this third division season in 14th position so i'm hoping that you're enjoying these shows i'm hoping that you enjoy the um the trying to mix the the game with some form of social context at the time i don't know if that works even football doesn't exist in its own unique bubble does it dear listeners um but there we are mill free oxford united nil 23rd of feb 1980 thank you for listening to the show dear listeners and until the next one arrivederci Millwall. bye for now Thank you for listening to Aspen Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, do you Millwall? Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.